Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I think this is a chance for him to show what it looks like when a leader is willing to admit a mistake. Yes, yes, an apology would, would go a long way. And I, you know, I just see it as a way to set the tone. I feel like the governor is really missing an opportunity here to change the public discourse. I'm Sarah Fenske. Four months ago, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch published a story that almost immediately led to a criminal investigation. But this wasn't the usual formula where prosecutors follow journalists' findings to bring the bad guys to justice. Instead, the governor urged prosecutors to go after the journalist. The Post-Dispatch reported on October 13th about a major vulnerability on a state website, that the social security numbers of Missouri school teachers, administrators, and counselors were vulnerable to public exposure due to flaws on a website maintained by the state's Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. One day later, Governor Mike Parson held a press conference. He announced that a, quote, individual had viewed the social security numbers of at least three educators, and he promised a criminal investigation into the so-called hacking. They were acting against a state agency to compromise teachers' personal information in an attempt to embarrass the state and sell headlines for their news outlet. We will not let this crime against Missouri teachers go unpunished. And we refuse to let them be a pawn in the news outlet's political vendetta. Now, Governor Parson turned the matter over to the Missouri Highway Patrol, and in December, its investigators turned their findings over to the Cole County prosecutor. Last Friday, the prosecutor announced that he would not bring charges. That was a huge relief to Josh Renaud. The journalist and developer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch first exposed the data vulnerability and then spent four months facing the threat of prosecution. And he joins us today. Josh Renaud, welcome. Thank you. So, Josh, you published your story on October 13th. When did you realize the governor planned to make you and your work a target? Oh, um... Well, it became clear the, the next morning when he held the press conference. Um, that day, th the state had kind of stopped talking to us and referred us to counsel. And so we knew something very strange was going on. And then um, we started hearing from teachers who had received um, like a letter from the state that, that uh, didn't name me, but, but said that I was a hacker. And and so, like, when we first saw that, we, we knew something was very wrong about that, but didn't, didn't really understand how far it was going to go. And when did you realize, okay, the governor actually thinks this is a criminal matter. He wants someone to investigate me. I, I guess it was the, that next day. Um, when we learned that there was going to be a, a press conference, I mean, I was, I was in the newsroom, and it 
you know, it was kind of an all hands on deck thing and there were you know, a lot of folks, but um, I, I didn't watch the press conference and uh, I just heard gasps from the other side of the newsroom. And, and, and you'd chosen not to watch. I knew it wasn't, whatever it was going to be, it was something I didn't want to hear. So <laughs> so those gasps, I feel like those might have panicked me even more than anything that might have come out of the governor's mouth. M- yeah, maybe so. Maybe <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it was clear that something very bad, had, you know, had been said. So. And so at that point, I mean, is that when you realized, wow, like, I'm going to need a lawyer? Um, you know, I'm not sure. The... So the Post has lawyers, and um, they were kind of involved from the start. Mm -hmm. So um, in that way, I was very well taken care of. So when the governor makes this announcement, the newsroom is gasping. I think the whole state, soon the whole country, was was kind of gasping over this. Uh, What was going through your mind as you sort of processed this, this strange new world where you were in, where you were technically, you were under criminal investigation? It was really tricky. I've never been in a circumstance quite like this. Um, uh, back in college, there was some guy that threatened me with a lawsuit because I wouldn't let him participate in a debate that kind of caused me a little bit of grief. But that was nothing, nothing at all like this. I mean, this was um, being singled out by the state executive and being called a criminal and and having him direct an investigation into my conduct um, I just, I could not have expected that, and I didn't expect it. It was, still remains, I just can't understand it, really. Um, you know, I have, I can't know what was going on in their minds. I have, I guess I have ideas about that, but um, but it was a complete shock. And, um, and it, yeah, I don't know. It was really bad. I've never seen anything quite like it. So your paper later published a story revealing that the Department of Education had planned to thank you before the governor ended up taking this in a dramatically different way. Did you find yourself thinking about how this could have gone so differently? Yeah. Yeah. From the beginning, um, we. this was an important story. And I, and I, I do feel like all of this was an effort to deflect from the gravity of what was found. And, and I think that's really unfortunate. Um, the thing that we didn't know at the time was that there had been a previous um, intrusion, I guess, into a different system that affected almost the same people. So it was the pension system mm-hmm. for the uh, um, teachers and educators in Missouri. And that happened in September. We didn't know about that, um, but the state you know, I guess was investigating that um, in September and early October and then and, uh, sent a letter to educators. I think it was the day that our story published or maybe the day after. Um, so they already knew that, that something bad had happened with technology infrastructure relating to teacher's private data in the pension system. And then when, when they heard from me about what I had found um, in a separate you know, a vulnerability in a separate system, but affecting almost the same people, all the certificated teachers in Missouri, um, and I believe retirees as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that, must have, that must have been a really bad realization for them. This is going to look really bad. Yeah. And uh, that's the only thing I can understand about this, that they, maybe they were trying to deflect attention from two really bad things happening so close together, affecting almost the same people. And I think they found, maybe they just found it very convenient that, to um, turn it on the press. 
And this was an unusual situation for you to be in the hot seat here and, and to become the public face of this. You've been at the Post-Dispatch for 20 years, if you count internships and, and yeah. some of the stuff at the beginning, 17 years full time. But you're not the guy who's going to the press conference, like asking the question, you know, the, the, the face that's front and center. You've been building things, first uh, building page design, then building things for the website. You're more of a behind the scenes kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Most of my career has been spent... Um, designing the front page or um, sports pages and things like that. Um, and that's, I loved doing that work. It really engaged kind of the, the artistic part of my brain and the, and that, and I also got to exercise a lot of news judgment and work with all sorts of people across the newsroom. Um, and then for the last 10 years, um, I was doing that plus a kind of, uh, some coding work, you know, like um, building maps and graphics and um, interactive databases like our salaries database or the homicide tracker that we just launched um, last month, looking at homicides, across, trying to keep track of victims of homicide across our area. And so, um, and then for the last couple years, I've been doing that exclusively. Um, so I do a little bit of reporting, but most, most often I'm maybe um, doing maybe I'll do data analysis and, and work with another reporter uh, to write a story. And then many times it's just I'm building building stuff that um, might have my name at the bottom, but it's not necessarily a story, but maybe other forms of storytelling. So was it uncomfortable to suddenly be the guy in this very controversial spotlight? Yes, uh, although I think it would have been uncomfortable no matter what my, my role was. I mean, really, it was very wrong of the governor to single me out in this way. Um, but it wouldn't have mattered if I was a reporter or not a reporter. It wouldn't have mattered if I was a Christian or not a Christian. Uh, it wouldn't have mattered. Nothing about me really mattered about that. It was just wrong. And um, if it had to be somebody, I guess maybe I'm glad it was me. I, and I feel like I handled it the best that it, that it could be. But, um, but yeah, you know, it, I'm not sure... I'm not sure that it made it any more difficult or not, but but. Um, and, and what makes you glad that if it had to be somebody, obviously you didn't want this to happen to anybody. But why are you glad that it ended up being you if it had to happen? I, I guess it's maybe what you just said that that you hate to see somebody else go through something like this, and um, I don't know. I you know I think about my kids or something like that. Like when, when bad things happen to them, you wish it on yourself, mm -hmm. and and so maybe in that sense maybe. Um, you know, if it had to happen to somebody, uh, it might as well have, have been me. So the Cole County prosecutor, this is Locke Thompson, he said, quote, the issues at the heart of the investigation have been resolved through non-legal means. Now, in a statement Friday, the governor's office referred to the incident as, quote, the hacking of Missouri teachers' personally identifiable information and said it was, quote, a clear violation of state law, which the state, quote, takes seriously. The state did its part by investigation and presenting its findings to the Cole County prosecutor, who has been elected not to press charges, as is his prerogative. And the governor's office continued, quote, the state will continue to work to ensure safeguards are in place to protect state data and prevent unauthorized hacks. They are not backing down from the idea that this was hacking. I don't know. Yeah, maybe in the immediate aftermath, um, they didn't. But I think there's still, the window's still open for this situation to flip around. And I feel like the governor is really missing an opportunity here to change the public discourse and to change the way that politics is done in the state. 
And he professes to be a Christian, and he's done me wrong, you know? Um, I think this is a chance for him to show what it looks like when a leader is willing to admit a mistake and is willing to make it right. Um, we don't see that a lot. Um, we're, we're in a time right now where it's everybody is dehumanizing people they disagree with. Mm-hmm. You know, there's um, if your opinion is different from mine, then uh, you know I'm I'm just going to dehumanize you. We saw that with um, the last president and the way he treated the press. Um, you know, the, his infamous rallies and the, the things that he he said about journalists, enemy of the people, and that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, a lot of people that are kind of his allies have continued that. You know, they're taking from his playbook. And so we see that across the country. We see it here in Missouri. We see, we see people um, attacking each other instead of working together, trying to find ways to compromise, trying to find ways to get things done for the people of the state. And, and I just lament uh, that that's happening. But I feel like there is an opportunity here for the governor to lead by example and to say, you know what, I got this one wrong. I thank you for what you did, you know, for teachers in the state of Missouri. And, and also to apologize to the teachers. We're sorry that we let you down with this, with, you know, with our system and we have taken steps to fix it. You know, Desi did something along those lines, but I feel like after all this drama that, um, that the governor owes it to the state to do that. And I think there's a real chance to show what it looks like to be willing to admit a mistake. We don't see that in politics, but maybe this is a chance for the governor to, to show something different. And if he apologized to you and to these teachers, um, would that make it right in your book? If it, yeah, if it was a genuine apology, I think, I think it would. Um, you know, that he wronged me in a very public way you know, accused me of being a criminal Mm -hmm. and instigated a criminal investigation. I think that the whole issue of using his power to investigate a journalist who exercised his First Amendment rights um, and did everything above board by the book, uh, that in itself is maybe a little bit of a separate thing. And I, I feel like that's wrong. And maybe just an apology doesn't cover that. I feel like there there needs to be pushback on that somehow, because we cannot allow political officials to persecute journalists for, you know, doing or publishing things that they don't like. But in terms of, you know, just the accusation against me, mm-hmm. yes, yes, an apology would, would go a long way. And, I, you know, I just see it as a way to set the tone at the top. You know, he, he a, a couple of weeks ago, was lamenting what, what happened with the confirmation hearing in the state Senate. For his health director. Yeah, for the health director. And this is, you know, this is a chance where he could show rather than tell. So you mentioned the governor being a Christian. In your statement about this that you released Friday, you quoted Matthew 5.44. That's where Jesus calls on his followers to, quote, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. You must be a Christian, too. Yeah, that's true. Have yeah. you been trying to pray for Governor Person? Um, yeah, I have been. Um, and, it, you know, it's not easy, and I'm not consistent with it. <laughs> um, but I have been, Yeah from the beginning. And so for your family throughout these these four months where you've had this hanging over your head, it sounds like you've been really trying to to keep that faith there, to do the right thing. Has What has this four months been like for you and your family? 
for me, it's been anxiety, just all of the uncertainties about, you know, I felt confident in my work and in what we did. I felt sure that we were right. Um, but then when you look at the, the letter of the law and see how broad it is and just wondering, is there some scenario in which somebody could actually call this illegal? You know, just all the uncertainty about that. Um, so tons of sleepless nights um, in that regard. I think for, and my wife probably had some of that too. I think less so the kids. The, um, you know, the one thing that, that I was kind of surprised by and that I was heartened by talking about kind of this climate that we're living in was the, um, I was really afraid that there might be some kind of a mob, you know, like a, you know, army of trolls or something, you know, because we see that um, mm -hmm. for all different sorts of hot, hot button issues where someone on one side or another gets attacked for whatever it is that they, they say or believe. And I wondered if that might happen here, if they're, you know, allies of the governor or something like that might try to attack me or, you know, online abuse, that kind of stuff. And so, I, you know, I took down all my social media, uh, you know, remove websites and stuff and um, kind of hunkered down. And um, thankfully, that kind of abuse didn't really materialize. Instead, it was more of support, lots of support from teachers, from folks here in Missouri, from, uh, you know, colleagues and uh, people across the state and across the country. And that really buoyed us, really, um, you know, really helped us through all those uncertainties. But, you know, I, I was talking to my doctor, uh, had the, you know, annual checkup like a month or so ago, and he's been following this. And he was eager to talk to me if I was willing to talk. And um, he was telling me that something that he said that really stuck with me was how he could relate to... Um, to that anxiety, because doctors also sometimes get accused of, mm -hmm. um, you know, doing some, you know, making some mistake or, or, or doing something in the care of a patient. And when that happens, he said, you know, it just causes you to second guess everything, to relive it over and over, wondering, um, you, know, you know, did I do something wrong? Even when you have that conviction mm -hmm. that, that you were absolutely right, um, the fact that the accusation is out there um, and, uh, just causes all this turmoil and angst. And I could totally relate to that. I mean, it was the exact exact same experience for me that I, I felt certain I would be vindicated no matter what. Even if the state charged me with a crime, mm -hmm. I felt certain that, um, that we would be victorious in court. Uh, but that doesn't stop those anxieties and that second guessing of yourself. Um, so... So now that you have been vindicated, the state is not going to bring charges here. Do you feel like you're going to be able to let that anxiety go? No more second guessing. You're ready to, to move on emotionally. I'm definitely ready to move on emotionally. I'm still um, being very guarded about this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if the governor were to take steps to apologize or whatever, that would really bring a lot of closure mm -hmm. um, along, along those lines. But, um, you know... No matter what happens, all of that's outside of my control. All I can do is about look, how am I reacting to this? And so, yeah, I really hope I am able to let all this stuff go and continue with, uh, you know, the work of journalism. I'm one of the aspects of this that has been a, a little tricky is that my work sometimes involved talking to people at Desi or at the Highway Patrol, you know, getting crime stats and things like that. And so, throughout this investigation, that's kind of 
been a handcuff on me that that I didn't feel it was appropriate to reach out to those folks while all this stuff was going on. To do the work that you're so exactly, used to yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and so um, you know, I'm thankful that now I can turn the corner on that. And you're going to go back and, and just keep doing your job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Josh Renan, I want to thank you so much for joining us today, and we're so glad this has ended the way that it has for you. Thank you very much for having me. And Josh is a journalist and developer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. This episode was produced by Alex Hoyer with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.